0: From the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness carousing, and things like these of which I have forewarned you, just as as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. If you're being blessed by this work uh, that comes out three times a week, please consider supporting it by going to scriptureandprophecy.com. And there's a donate and support tab at the top. Thanks for joining me this morning. Today we are looking at uh, continuing our study in the Acts of the Apostles. And we're ready for chapter 24. Now, the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been dealing with the fact that Paul's been arrested and he's been brought before the high priest and the council and all this. And now he's been, now he's being brought before the governor Felix. And uh, it's a short chapter, but there's some interesting things, and we're going to zero in on one topic. Um, And I wanted to start the broadcast kind of with the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh. And um, I think that that'll lend to a little part that we're going to zero in on uh, here today. So, without further delay, let's just go ahead and dig right in. Chapter 24 book of Acts, dealing with Paul, uh, arrested, and now he's before the governor, Felix. Let's begin. Chapter 24, verse 1. After five days, the high priest, Ananias, came down with some elders, with an attorney named Tertullus, and they brought charges to the governor against Paul. Please note, right out of the gate, you can see that Ananias, the high priest, is not wanting to let this go. He's going to do whatever he can. He's going to do whatever lying he needs to do, uh, whatever he needs to do to make sure that Paul uh, is dealt with and uh, it's no longer a problem. So even after Paul's been arrested and taken to somewhere else... The Jewish leadership continues to uh, try to cause trouble for him. Verse 2. After Paul had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying to the governor, Since we have through you attained much peace, and since by your providence reforms are being carried out for this nation, we acknowledge this in every way and everywhere, most excellent Felix, with all thankfulness but i may not weary you any further i beg you to grant us by your kindness a brief hearing for we have found this man a real pest and a fellow who stirs up dissension among all the jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of nazarenes and we have even tried to des- he even tried to desecrate the temple and then we arrested him We wanted to judge him according to our own law, but Lysias, the commander, came along and with much violence took him out of our hands, ordering his accusers to come before you. By examining him yourself concerning all these matters, you will be able to ascertain the things which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the attack, asserting that these things were so. So please note, first of all, everything that just came out of this lawyer's mouth was a lie, right? Um, He never did anything to try to desecrate the temple or none of this stuff. Verse 10, when the governor had nodded for him to speak, Paul responded, knowing that for many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense Since you can take note of the fact that no more than twelve days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. Neither in the temple, nor in the synagogues, nor in the city itself did they find me carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot. Nor can they prove to you the charge of which they now accuse me. But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In the view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and before men. After several years I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings in which they found me occupied in a temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia who ought to have been present before you to make accusation if they should have anything against me, or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council other than for this one statement which I shouted out while standing among them. For the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial before you today. So, Paul's defense is, look, these guys, first of all, these guys had nothing to do with any of this. None of their claims are true except for the claim that I am a member of the way, right? The Christian faith. And he says, furthermore, what I'm really on trial for, And I'll tell you guys, just like I told them when I stood before the council, what I'm really on trial for is the claim that I believe in the resurrection of the dead. Right? The resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. That's That's what I'm really on trial here for, is what Paul says. Verse 22. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off, saying... When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom, and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. So please note, Felix says, Okay, I'm, I'll am i deal with, I'll make a judgment on your case later. Like when, when this guy Lysia comes back, the commander. In the meantime, he's like, Paul needs to be... Uh, confined, he needs to be imprisoned, but make sure he has plenty of freedom within those confinements, right? Like his friends can visit him, etc. Verse 24. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewish, who was a Jewess, Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given to him by Paul, therefore he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Fetus. And wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. So that is how this chapter ends. We're going to talk about it a little bit further. What I want you to note is Paul's not, Paul's being wrongfully imprisoned. He hasn't actually had a trial, so to speak. Um, he's a political prisoner. Is what it boils down to. It says right here that Felix left him imprisoned two years he spent there just to please the Jewish leadership. The Jewish leadership. Vetus wishing to do the Jews a favor. Where I'm sorry. And wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. That's number one. Number two, it says that. Felix used to bring Paul out to hear him speak. Like, here, let's have him speak. But the, you know, because he found the, he found it somewhat interesting, you know, this sect of the way. But the scriptures go on to say that the real motive for Felix bringing him out was extortion. Right? He hoped that, hey, maybe Paul would give him some money to kind of buy him off so he can get out of jail. That's what this guy was about. Okay? Okay. It says here in verse twenty six, at the same time too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore he used he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. So for two years this is going on. Bring Paul out so I can hear him talk. Maybe he'll hand me a you know a bag of money to get out. Something else to notice. We go all the way back to verse twenty four. Okay? To the beginning of this discussion about felix bringing paul out but some days later felix arrived with drusilla his wife who was a jewess and sent for paul and heard him speak about faith in christ jesus so he's also got this wife now historically uh, it's important to understand who Drusilla was. Just to paint a picture just about how wicked Felix actually was, right? So here's uh, from B.W. Johnson's like commentary. It says, Felix came with his wife Drusilla. This woman, a Jewish, was the daughter of Herod who died miserably at Caesarea. If you remember Herod... Uh, claimed to be a god, and then an angel of the Lord smote him because he gave God no glory, and he was eaten of worms, and then died. That happened in Acts chapter 12. This Drusilla is the daughter of that king. And she was the sister of King Agrippa and Bernice. She was very beautiful, and very profigate, and had been the wife of Aziz, the king of Amessa, but had left him and married Felix. So basically, Felix has stolen this man's wife. Uh, Perhaps, he says, the interest she felt in Paul was due to the fact that her father had been a persecutor of Christians. And had died a singular death. And this had been pronounced a judgment. Alright, so that's who Drusilla is. So Felix and Drusilla, they would bring Paul out to hear him talk about his faith in Jesus Christ Until one specific thing happened, right? Verse 25. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and sent him away. You see, the wicked don't want to hear about righteousness, judgment, the judgment to come. They don't want to hear about righteousness and self-control. And the judgment to come. And that's always been true. But I, you know what I think? I think we live in a day when even people who claim Jesus. Claim to be Christians. Don't want to hear about righteousness. Self-control. And the judgment to come. Do they? You often hear me complain. And talk about how. Christians today want excuses, one an excuse to sin. They don't want to hear about righteousness and holiness. They don't want to hear about self-control. They don't want to hear about the judgment to come. So it's not just Felix back in Paul's day. Today it's the wicked and those who go to church that don't want to hear about this. That's why I started the podcast this morning with reading from what Paul says in Galatians chapter. See, people act like Paul's this greasy gracer, but he's not. He's not at all. He's calling out Felix for his immorality. He's talking to him about righteousness, holiness, about self-control, the things that Felix lacks, right? He took another man's wife, yada, yada, yada. He's trying to extort money out of Paul. And so it's all cute and fun having Paul come out and, and preach about Jesus Christ. But when he starts preaching righteousness, self-control, judgment to come, and it's like, oh, okay, we don't want to hear about that. Send him back. Let me reread from Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of spirit is joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law and in my opinion we have too many people who claim to know Jesus who lack self-control and act like well you know we're we're just cursed from the beginning we just you know we're just fallen creatures we can't help ourselves really because one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control is self-control stop making an excuse for sin the other day on Gab, which is kind of like that Twitter alternative, I use it. I posted a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Here's what Spurgeon said many, many, a couple hundred years ago almost, right? Here's what he says. If you can sin and not weep over it, you are an heir of hell. If you can go into sin and afterwards feel satisfied to have done so, you are on the road to destruction if there is no prickings of conscience no inward torments no bleeding wounds if you have no throbs and heavings of a bosom that cannot rest if your soul never feels filled with wormwood and gall when you know you have done evil you are no child of god Charles Spurgeon he's saying what he's saying plainly, is that those who have the Holy Spirit, when you sin, you feel grieved about it. You wish you hadn't a done it, right? He's not saying that Christians don't sin. He's saying when you do sin, it it pains you. It brings you grief. If you can sin willy-nilly, oh, well, you know, grace, you got a real problem. You need to look in the mirror and examine yourself and see if you're really in the faith. Plain and simple. we got to stop messing around with with this and start calling it what it is. Let me read you just a little bit from this study Bible here. About verse 24, about righteousness, self-control, and judgment. It says, God demands righteousness of all people because of his holy nature. For men and women to conform to that absolute standard requires self-control. We should just do a whole series on self-control. The result of falling to exhibit self-control and to conform oneself to God's righteousness standard apart from salvation, judgment. Felix became frightened. Living with a woman he had lured away from her husband, Felix obviously lacked righteousness and self-control. The realization that he faced judgment alarmed him, and he hastily dismissed Paul. He says, when I find time, in other words, the moment of conviction passes, and Felix foolishly passed up his opportunity to repent. Can I read just one more commentary for you to end today? I'll just read Matthew Henry's commentary on that section from verses 22 through 27. Let me just read this, and then we'll be done for this morning. Here's what Matthew Henry says about this passage. He says, The apostle reason concerning the nature and obligations of righteousness, temper, temperance, which means self-control, and of a judgment to come, thus showing the oppressive judge and his profligate mistress that their need of repentance, forgiveness, and the grace of the gospel. Justice respects our conduct in life, particularly in reference to others. Temperance, meaning self-control, the state and government of our souls in reference to God. He who does not exercise himself in these has neither the form nor the power of godliness and must be overwhelmed with divine wrath in the day of God's appearing. A prospect of judgment to come is enough to make the stoutest heart tremble. Felix trembled, but that was all. Many are startled by the word of God who are not changed by it. Many fear the consequences of sin, yet continue in love and practice of sin. In the affairs of our souls' delays are dangerous. Felix put off this matter to a more convenient season, but we do not find that the more convenient season ever came behold, now is the accepted time. Hear the voice of the Lord today. He was in haste to turn from hearing the truth. Was any business more urgent than for him to reform his conduct, or more important than the salvation of a soul? Sinners often start up like a man roused from his sleep by a loud noise, but soon sink again into their usual drowsiness. Be not deceived by occasional appearances of religion in ourselves or in others. Did you catch that line? Don't be deceived by the occasional appearance of religion in ourselves or in others. In other words, don't be deceived by those who are playing church. The proof is in the pudding. What did James say? I'll show you my faith by what I do. Jesus said a good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. In other words... There'll be evidence of your faith through your actions and the fruits of the spirit, right? Love, peace, self control. Above all, Matthew Henry says, let us not trifle with the word of God. Do we expect that as we advance in our lives that our hearts will grow softer or that the influence of the world will decline? Are we not at this moment in danger of being lost forever? Now is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. My friends, that is the end of our study for this morning. I pray that it's pierced your hearts. Caused you to examine yourself. Examine your behavior. It causes you to fall on your face before God in repentance to the Lord. The Bible says... If we sin, right? We have an advocate with the Father. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The proof in the pudding is not that you never sin. The proof in the pudding is that when you do sin, it's grievous to you. And you can't wait to get to a place by yourself where you can fall on your knees and ask God for mercy. Those who Have a casual attitude towards sin. Are in danger of hellfire in my opinion. When you could care less. When you say, you know, grace, grace. Not Not that the grace doesn't exist, but when you're so casual about your sin. Then you have to ask the question, do you have the spirit? Because the spirit's grieved by sin. I'll leave it at that. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.